Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Gillian Devlin in for Joe Nash on Live 95. Hours to Protect, brought to you by Live 95, the IBI, and funded by Commission Naman with a television license fee. Check out hours to protect.ie for more info. Today we are kicking off a brand new series here on Live 95. It's called Hours to Protect. It's going to focus on our environment, our planet and what we can do to protect it and what better time to start a series like this. Yesterday was World Environmental Day. Last Friday we were warned we're not going to hit our targets for carbon emissions. It is becoming more and more important that we all do our bit. People are becoming more aware about the importance of being eco-friendly and how they can make an effort but there is always room for improvement. We are joined by a panel this morning and we're going to get their views on uh, what they're doing in their own daily lives and also what other people can do before we start our series which will take place over the next year. We'll be running small little features on Limerick today once a week giving people a flavour of what's happening out there in Limerick City and County and how we can all get involved and with me in studio this morning we have uh, we have brother Luke McNamara from Glenstall Abbey and Anne Maher who is managing director of the Urban Co-op in Limerick and will be joined shortly by a few others. Good morning to both of you and you're both very welcome uh, to our very first launching of Hours to Protect. Just just help you out there with the volume. Can you hear us now, Anne? Yeah, um, thank you very you. much for coming in. Good morning. <laughs> um, so I'll start with yourself, uh, Brother Luke, out in Glenstall Abbey. You're, this is something that's really very close to your own heart, isn't it? Well, it's not just close to my own heart. It's close to my brother's hearts uh, for, for many generations now. We've been involved in planting trees since we arrived in 1927. And along with the boys in the school, we've been having successive plantations. So you can see from the 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s and so on. You can see various plantations and that all that all makes for uh, a much better uh, environment just to look at. But also, of course, it soaks up the carbon. Um, and uh, I think it's it's a really good initiative what we've been doing because we've been we've had um, Father Tim Gallen, Galvin from uh, from West Limerick Abbey Field just beyond Abbey Field there he um, has been planting trees in South Sudan sadly he died of a of, an, of a tropical illness just uh, in February but he had been planting trees in South Sudan and we said why don't we match it with the current generation of students so we now have had a planting session there just in spring and we're going to have another planting session in the autumn to match the work of the girls in the Mary Magdalene School in South Sudan. So uh, it's we're trying to protect the world, not just Ireland. So it has to happen in Ireland, it has to happen in Africa, it has to happen everywhere. But it's great that everybody can participate around the world. So and the students really get a lot out of that because they feel we're doing something here, we're doing something there. Um, the other thing that we're thinking of doing is... Uh, we're planning to put solar panels up on, on our school roof and uh, happily the government has now withdrawn the requirement to get planning permission for uh, solar panels on, on school roofs. So that will make it much easier. The but, VAT is gone as well, isn't yes, it? I think? Yes, yeah. but also we've, we've, we've already been putting uh, panels into schools in Africa. So we've, uh, we've had a project running since 2007 um, and we started uh, with a cooperation with schools in Africa and we've started... Uh, in Kenya and then we moved to Tanzania sorry, Tanzania and then to Kenya and now we've gone just this year to Togo 
And what we do is we bring out old computers, um, we clean them up and bring them out and they can be used by the students there. And then we put solar panels on the roof of the school so that they have a sure electricity supply. And then more recently, we've been getting batteries for those so that they can store the supply overnight and so on. But this has uh, led to really great improvement in the grades for the school children. And a lot of these schools have girls because they go to these schools for protection because they can they, they live in them because they, they're, they're more secure. And it has allowed the women in these countries really make great strides. So there's a lot really happening between. So there's it's kind of an environmental thing, but it's also for the people. So which is the right way. So we're, we're, we have these solar panels on the schools in Africa. We're going to have them here in Glenstall as well. So we're kind of catching up now with the with the, with the schools in Africa that we've been helping over the last 15 years. It's very interesting listening to Brother Luke there, Anne, talking about the benefits for communities in Africa with these eco-friendly projects. Whereas I think there's a perception in Ireland that when we're asked to do things for the environment, that we're making a sacrifice. You know, that's mm. that's the way some people perceive it. But ultimately, I mean, we're all going to benefit from you know, mm. projects that, that like this that Brother Luke has mentioned. And yes, um, I it, it's great listening to the whole story. I we used to work and teach in Africa, so, you know, it's very close to my heart. But I'm also very conscious of what can we do here in Ireland. And I think stuff that I would have learned abroad as well is something that uh, we're bringing into the urban co-op about appreciating the resources we have here. And uh, we have become, from the urban co-op's point of view, uh, we strongly believe that we need to reconnect people back to the source of their nourishment. Just, I suppose, I, mm. I should get you to explain to people who haven't heard of the urban co-op, because it's an amazing project in itself, just to describe it to people who are uh, unaware of it. it um, it's a Limerick-based project. It started about 10 years ago as the idea to develop an urban cooperative for or a community grocery that would be owned by the people. And um, through the last 10 years, it has grown and sort of expanded to be a wellness hub as well, where the food is part of it. So what we do is we are open seven days a week and we uh, sell organic and local groceries. We do import as well, but we have a very high a ratio of local produce. We're trying to get people to value the local produce again. And that means things like um, getting them to understand how much work goes into it. Um, we have been so disconnected from food, even though it's been all around us. And so we're on a journey of education, but also trying to re-nourish ourselves and make ourselves well again. And uh, so from that point of view, it's a really exciting project because you can see the impact of it. And obviously the whole aspect of the environment is so embedded to it. And there are so many things that we're learning along the way. And for example, you know, the way our diets have, have gone in recent decades that we consume approximately half of our diet is ultra processed foods. And, um, you know, I brought in, you may be familiar with that diagram, 
Okay, well, on radio, our listeners you won't be radio? able to see it. It's a no, fairly complicated looking diagram. I, I know, I know the food pyramid. You know but the this food is pyramid. Not, this is nothing like a food pyramid. These so this are is the these are all the logos. So you've got your Coca Cola, you have your Kellogg's, you have your Nestle, you have all your chocolate round tree stuff, mm-hmm. and all of that. All the there all are the, brands the, you would recognise. I think any five year old would recognise yeah. all these. Those about those ten companies control half of the world's food supply. Wow. And in Ireland, yeah. 46% of our diet is that. Comes from these 10 companies. Comes from these 10 companies. Now, we are an agricultural country. So we have changed in the space of two or three generations to consume products like that. We're not exactly the healthiest population in the world. And uh, there's a lot more research to show not only do ultra-processed foods um, affect our health, but they also affect the health of the environment. Because as you can imagine, the the scale of these industries and like transporting those raw materials from one end of the world to the other, how, ma- how much CO2 does that use? And the packaging. The packaging, all of those things, the waste. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. when you think about it, you... It, it becomes a bit mind-blowing. So what we're trying to do is reconnect people to what they sh- should have available to them locally. And in a way, we want to encourage people to grow, but also to value the work that's involved in growing it. Because we've, over the years, these companies have driven down the price of local food because you can't compete. And people don't want to hear that, that food is too cheap. But you, we hear I, the farmers talk about it we, and, mm. you know, we had a discussion, I'll play a clip shortly, but we had a discussion in the first hour of this show about food waste because it's National Food Waste mm. Week. Um, and, you know, the amount of food that every household up to 700 euro a year yes. because, in, you know, when you see you can get X number of yogurts for, you know, half price or whatever, they throw in a whatever, mm. throwing the pots out when they've gone past their best before date you know, it becomes mm. normal almost uh, in households, and yeah, that maybe and we've a, just been a major spoiled. Problem, yeah. A major problem, but we we're trying to catch up from the after effects of this change in our consumption. So, if you go back, and oh, I apologise, I thought that was completely off. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> um, if we go back to Let's just say, and I'm not, I'm not advocating that we go back to the way our grandparents ate, but we have a memory of it. Like, if, you know, that, that simpler living, everything was reused mm. because food was, was more expensive, it was more valued. And we used, we made a lot out of a little. So we need to go back to that sort of, of thinking. Now, Obviously, we have a very modern world. We're technologically so different. And in some way, we have to find a balance between both. So at the Urban Co-op, we're trying to do that. Brother Luke? Uh, yeah, I, I, in a former life, was uh, a GP. And uh, I can echo much of what I'm hearing here about the healthy benefits as well of a, of a, of a more traditional diet. Um, not necessarily the diet of the, of the 1920s and 30s, but but uh, of less processed foods. And I, I've noticed in the places we've gone to in Africa, the number of uh, people with diabetes has just quadrupled. 
since they've started eating like Westerners, like us. Mm. And our own rates of diabetes and heart problems and so on is very, very high. But if we actually went to a, a simpler diet, a healthier diet with more local produce, it would actually do us a lot of good. And mm. one can see, um, I can see it uh, in some of the younger children who are actually adopting a, a healthier diet. You can see that there's, they're less anxious, they're more, they're more streamlined, they're, they're, they enjoy themselves. They don't run out of energy halfway through the morning because they've got a good bowl of porridge in their stomachs. They don't have to go and, you know, take chocolate in the mid, middle of mid-morning or whatever mm. for those who just take a quick fix. So there, this is a much, uh, it's more about better education of us all, better education of people who cook in the home and better education also of children, how they eat well. Even for the exams, we've just put up a, a sheet on for the students doing their exams tomorrow that they don't just take a quick sugar fix before the exam, that they take, you know, a, a good mm. hour before the exam, they take a bowl of porridge or they, and they take maybe a banana that will give them f- uh, energy for, for the four hours to keep them going until lunchtime. Mm. So whereas if they take something quick, like a processed uh, cereal, that will be out of their system within, within an hour and they'll be looking for sugar to go to their brain to do some work and get mm. the answers yeah. to their exams. Orla Hearn from Hearns Nurseries is with us as well this morning. Good morning to you, Orla. Good morning. How are you? I'm I'm very good, Orla. Listening to all of that, you must know yourself when people grow their own products and then consume them. It's not just the health benefit. There's a certain level of satisfaction and it's a connection with the environment when they're doing that. Absolutely. I mean, 100%, I think everybody these days knows the benefits of gardening and putting your hands into the soil and actually feeling the soil. I mean, I'm study after study shows how much of a benefit that is. I suppose from the gardening side of it, with the vegetable growing, fruit growing, all of these things are making a huge comeback. Thanks be to God, because... I think we realise now that importing blueberries from Guatemala is not the way to go when we should be growing, at least in Ireland and if not locally. So the more local we can keep things, the less impact it has um, on our environment. And we at Ahern Nurseries, like we grow so many plants, we grow over 100,000 plants um, a year. And what we try to do is create um, on our nursery a situation where we have a really, really good biodiverse ecosystem almost where we have a great balance between nature, between insects, plants, birds, um, bees, moths. Everything is important to create a good biodiverse environment. And when we have that, and we're not fantastic in Ireland, um, but we're, you know, we're not too bad. Um, There's a few things that I suppose we should be doing more of. And it is hard to get people to, I suppose, think about what they're doing. What are the big mistakes that we're making? Oh, look, some of the simplest ones, really. Um, for instance, we had no more May just going back last month. Um, this was an, issue, an initiative started in England. We adopted it in Ireland. Um, and it's just about, OK, if you don't want to leave your whole lawn and not mow it, but try and keep the mower away from the lawn for the month of May. And in those four weeks... there is a substantial increase in the amount of beneficial insects and pollinators in the garden. 
And I think that's like one of the most basic things that we can do. We're simply asking you to just don't mow. And is there a lack of understanding, do you think, Orla, about the importance of why we need those pollinators? I think there is. And I think it's why people like my guests and myself and yourself are giving time to to educate people in a way that isn't, I suppose, coming across as too, uh, uh, as too difficult or too, um, you know, making them feel like, oh, well, what can I do? I'm just one person. And the fact of the matter is, if each of us did one small thing, um, it increases exponentially the amount of work that um, we can do in saving uh, natural habitats. Mm. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd like to just make the point as well, Gillian, as you said, um, like we're being bombarded with all this negativity about, you know, the... the with the environment and it is very hard for people to take on board um, negative messages so much and like we need to turn it around so that it's more positive that you know that the as you say or the idea of of like one person can make a difference absolutely each each individual makes an enormous difference and and I think once people feel more empowered about what they can do I think bearing in mind what we have discovered with the Urban Co-op is like once you kickstart something into action and it, is, it gets the right support at the beginning, it does take off. It does take off. There is a huge willingness for people to actually join in mm. and realise, you know, um, many small things can make a huge difference. Okay. Um, I'd just say on that, there's an energy that comes from this, uh, pardon the pun, but there's an energy that comes from, from activity. So, when we set up our uh, sustainable energy co- committee in the in the school in Glenstrad Abbey, we had um, a group of fifth years on it with me, and we were working very diligently on many projects. But off their own bat, the third year said we want to get involved, and they set up their own initiatives. And um, one was a, a clothes swap shop, so that the older boys would bring in their clothes, and the younger boys would take them, so they'd be reused. So we wouldn't be kind of buying incessantly new clothes that weren't needed. Because, you know, they grow very quickly, they can be reused again. They also brought in a waste pro- waste management project as well. So, and that was not led by us, it was led by the students. So there's an energy that comes. So when your neighbours see you doing something, they will catch on to it as well. And they'll start enjoying, you know, getting their hands dirty, seeing plants grow. And, you know, children really get an awful lot out of seeing plants grow. And it actually gets them in touch with their with their inner selves my my uh, my ten year old nephew just out at the Ennis Road um, is very uh, very keen on the garden and watches very closely the plants and it really kind of settles him after school just to be able to be out in the out in the garden uh, enjoy the plants and after a, a heavy day of you know uh, mental work it actually relaxes him before he goes in to do his homework so if if other children could have that kind of space that they need in the, at an age of screens and everything it really does help them you know so it, it's 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 a really good parenting tool i think as well yeah yeah not, I that, think, not that i'm a, a directly a parent yeah but i think parents welcome anything that settles a child don't they Orla? absolutely yeah. i think as well we see it a lot in the nursery where parents come in with children and the younger children are so enthusiastic. I mean, they just want to get their hands dirty. They'll sit on the ground and play with stones. You know, they they want to be out handling things. And then you see kind of the, maybe the preteen or the 
teenager kind of who's dragged along, isn't really overly impressed with it. But actually, when you start talking and when you start mentioning this does this and this attracts that and, you know, if you plant this with that, then they they actually realise that, oh, I I didn't know that. And if you're doing it in such a way, because sometimes the classroom um, setting isn't ideal always for teaching and if you can get them out into some place like the nursery or a garden centre or out into the back garden Makes they're the learning difference. without realising they're learning and it's interesting Okay, we're going to take a quick break we're chatting to Brother Luke McNamara from Glenstall Abbey and Maher who is Managing Director of the Urban Co-op and Orla Hearn from Hearn Nurseries in Kilmallock Hours to Protect, brought to you by Live 95, the IBI, and funded by Commission the Mon with a television license fee. Check out hours to protect.ie for more info. In Kilmallock. Now, I, our own Nigel Dugdale was recently uh, at an event in Limerick, and uh, it was the launch of the graduate show at Limerick uh, School of Art and Design, the Toos graduate show there. But he was chatting to some of the people there about this new phenomenon that people have heard about, about climate anxiety and the fact that so many young people hearing all of the things that we've been talking about and, you know, the, the impact it's going to have on our planet. And he, he asked whether people, you know, had thoughts about this issue of climate, the climate change. A lot of the younger students are very aware of what's going on, are very aware in different ways. Uh, some see it as a problem, some see it as just a consequence and they get on with it. Uh, whereas I'm long enough in the tooth to have seen it from the time I was born, right up through to the present. Uh, and you, as my pieces are based on erosion, that's not climate change, that's separate. But the climate change is, it's happening. And it's happening quickly and slowly. And it does, it creates, it does create beautiful ideas. But at the background, it's not a good thing. So it's, it's, it's a weird one, you know what I mean? It's, it's influencing people, absolutely, in their artwork. But, but with fashion students and things mm. like that, the whole idea of reuse and, the, yes. and, and using old materials, plastics, finding yeah. ways of creating fast fashion or, you know, yeah. um, reusable Recycle. fashion, recycled Recycle. fashion. Up, up, upcycling. Yeah, the upcycling, it's, it's all fine well, but the whole idea is to stop using plastics. So by upcycling, you're just reusing something that's going to be eventually skipped like everything else or buried and it's still toxic. So I of the equation, move away from that and go back to clean cotton, clean fabrics organic and basically no slave labour you don't know, you know I mean ethical really ethical but I don't think they'll ever go back to that I think we most certainly are aware of it and it's something we think about every week nearly because in ceramics we are dealing with the earth's materials and we want to be as careful and cautious with them we want to use them to the best of their ability and we want to use them as sustainably as possibly i would say yeah children has to concern about it by i know it's a climate change topic but it also comes under using like sustainability so but i i'm so happy at least i'm an lsad lsad use like a lot of sustainability things awareness around us so we try to use like a lot of like online things especially when the covid comes we all like did everything in an online submission so there is we used to do in our first year like submission papers and papers of like assignment but since the covid came we all like swapped even though like all gone we are now just uploading everything in online so, a few of the young people there speaking at that exhibition. Do you think yourself that and that uh, you know young people have a better grasp of this than the older generations? 
Well, again, they've got lots of sources of information to them. So for when we were, when I was in school or college um, and and like that, yeah, we, we wrote our assignments, you know. Um, I got excited about being able to buy my first typewriter. Um, but like they have, they have uh, lots of access to lots of information. And um, in fact, it's quite overwhelming, you know, because they have a lot of information coming at them. And um, that fear of being given a deadline of there are only so many years left, etc. Um, I think, um, and yet at the same time, each generation navigates through their own their own generation and um, you know we all our parents will have looked back at us and go oh gosh how did you know how are they able to manage and we're looking back at the younger generation and going well how are they going to manage they will people are very resilient um, and we need to give them the support to be resilient but however um, at the risk of banging on at the same mantra about food I do see the consumption patterns of young people and, um, you know, real food is not top of their priority. So, you know, they, there would be a lot of mental health problems and, and um, health problems associated with, you know, consuming lots of, of say, you know, the, the top branded um, snack grocery, foods, yeah, snack the foods, stuff in the packets basically, um, which accelerates their yeah. anxiety mm. in any case. And I think it has to be called out for what it is. Um, but unfortunately, they're exposed hugely to it as well. So, you know, they, they're it's part of the young person's it's part lifestyle, of their lifestyle really? yeah. yeah, but they is. are targeted especially. Yeah, um, would you notice that as well with the young people in the school, Brother Luke? Well, we've we've had quite a, a, a kind of a, a, I suppose we have a different demographic in terms. We only have secondary school students. We don't have the primary. Um, so there's, I think the, there is an angst, which I notice among the primary students, actually, that before they come to us. And I, I have two of my younger nephews, eight and 10, are vegetarians now um, because um, because of the climate problem. And they're very aware of it. And they, they were very keen that my mother, when, when my mother got a hybrid car, one of them went over and wrote a note and said, congratulations, thank you for saving the, the planet for me. So it, 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 it's very, very present to them. But in the secondary school, they really um, became energised by our committee. Um, and I've noticed that everybody wants to be part of the story. And and so, yes, there's, there is a bit of angst, but I think you can deal with the angst if you say, look, there is a problem, but we're all going to be part of the solution and not just in Ireland, but in other parts of the world. And what they did was, the students did was, and again, off their own bat, they organised a webinar with 200 schools across five continents. Um, and they had a they had a presentation on the effects of climate change in Ireland because they often, you know, other countries hear about the, the islands sinking in the Pacific or whatever, but they wanted to share our story with the others and they're going to link up then with, to hear the stories from other continents uh, as, as things go on. But this webinar was something that just came from our students. So I think that's something really empowering that they can all do something across five continents and that they become aware of what each is doing. That gives them great hope when they see 
what their colleagues are doing. They're, they're those of her, their own generation in all the different parts of the, of the world. And it was a really uplifting moment for the students and for involved and, and indeed for the wider school. Orla, what about yourself? Do you think that the, the, the younger generations will will take up the mantle in this? I I haven't heard that term of um, what did you say it was climate climate anxiety, anxiety. Yeah. Um, and that's very interesting because it actually it makes perfect sense. It's it's a perfect wording for me because I think the anxiety around climate. Is, is really borne by, yes, we're bombarded by um, the Amazon, the, the all the big things that are happening in the climate, um, the melting ice caps, for instance. And there's a helplessness with younger people that is creating an anxiety. Well, oh my God, wh- what are we going to do? Wh- how am I going to? And again, it comes back to just asking very basic things like encouraging, um, you know, your healthy eating, eating sustainably, eating locally, growing food and doing all of the right things in a small way. And if everybody can do a bit, then around the world, the impact would be huge, not just in Ireland. We would have um, a phenomenal, um, I suppose, younger group of people coming up um, fighting for us and fighting for the climate. I, I think there's one thing I could el- el- elicit as well for for listeners in that you know everybody remembers driving from from Tipperary town into Limerick and you'd have to clean the headlights in the summer because of all the in- insects on the on the on the on the on the headlamps. Now you don't have to do that anymore. You might have to do it once a year. But um, in Glenstall, we've noticed that the insect in, has in, has insect populations increased in the, in recent times because of our diverse planting of different species of trees. So that has really helped. Before, in the earlier stages of our planting, we used to plant one type of tree in each zone. Now we're doing much more mixed planting to foster the biodiversity, to foster the different moths and insects and so on. And now you have the you have the annoyance perhaps of having to scratch your head or, you know, wipe, wipe your glasses. But at least you feel like this is the way yeah. it should be on a summer's yeah. afternoon yeah, and not like it was. And you still welcome people out to We do, we do. We, 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 we would have on a sunny day, on a Sunday, we would have about 3,000 walkers through the grounds. Wow. Oh. Yeah, so on a sunny Fantastic. afternoon. See all the good work that you're doing. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming in. This morning, Brother Luke McNamara of Glenstall Abbey and also we have uh, Anne Maher of the Urban Co-op there in the Eastway Business Park up near the NCT Centre and also Orla Ahern of Ahern's Nurseries in Kamalak. We, as I said, are doing this series over the next 52 weeks. I am absolutely 100% certain all three of you will feature <laughs> on various different features during those weeks throughout the year. But for now, for this morning, thanks for joining us on our launch of the Hours to Protect series. Thank you very much. Thanks, Gillian. Hours to Protect is funded by Commission Them On with the television license fee and is a partnership between Live 95 and the IBI. Check out hourstoprotect.ie for more info. Your views.